Welcome to the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively captures insightful conversations with people contributing to advancement of space activities in India. The New Space India podcast is pleased to announce our association with Dassault Systems, a global leader in providing business and people with collaborative virtual environments to imagine sustainable innovations. Dassault Systems Solutions supports startups small and medium sized enterprises and original equipment manufacturers in developing disruptive solutions for space launchers and satellite propulsion recently a supply chain digitization study with dassault systems was conducted to provide a foundational understanding of the supplier landscape in the indian space ecosystem please use the link in the description to download the public white paper of the results of this study which will also give you a perspective on how ready indian suppliers are to enter the global space market hi and welcome to yet another episode of the new space india podcast we have here kwaku here i'm i hope i'm getting your name right i'm very bad with uh, pronunciation so is many people with indian names as well so kwaku welcome to the show and thanks for taking the time in recording this and talking about uh, africa and what are the potential things that are happening in africa you know space in africa and what we in india can do more with africa so welcome to the show again and thanks for taking the time thanks for having me narayan and yeah people get my name wrong all the time or it's a bit tricky to pronounce you pronounce the a a bit more so it's kwaku um but to be honest i've been called so many things that i as long as you get it close enough i'm happy <laughs> but thanks for having me great so kwaku Tell us a little bit about your background, you know, where you come from, what got you into space and made you tick and get into space. Yeah, sure. I mean, my journey in general has been sort of all across the world. Um originally I was born in Ghana, but I moved to Vienna, Austria when I was around 5 years old. Uh my dad had a work had to had to move for work at uh, the United Nations. So I went to school there, grew up there, but then I went to Canada, Vancouver, Canada. to do my bachelor's um and that's sort of where i first really started getting a bit involved in space because i studied physics and astronomy um so i actually studied you know the physics behind you know celestial body movements uh, a bit more about st- stellar evolution uh things like that and back then i was actually like looking back now it's a bit funny but back then i was th- i was thinking actually about um becoming an astronaut or what it would take to become an astronaut and then we had um one of the canadian astronauts oh, i forgot his name but one of the ones who actually was in space he came to our school university of british columbia to give a talk about you know becoming an astronaut what it would take and uh, in that talk i realized that there was no way i'd become an astronaut <laughs> i mean as an astronaut you basically have to be an expert in everything you know you have to be an expert in physics and chemistry and biology and geology and engineering you have to be able to survive in really harsh conditions and like the entire program that all the all the training and the program it takes to become an astronaut is very intense like the what's his name i think it's chris uh, he was basically telling us about how they train their astronauts to be to be ready for space because as you can imagine if you're in space and something goes wrong nobody can help you so you have to be ready for any kind of potential situation and like some of the training they do they'll like drop a team of like six um scientists in the in the tundras and caves with no help and they'll be like okay survive for two weeks by yourself you know and do science at the same time you know <laughs> so i was there in university i think it was my third year listening to this talk and i was just like eh, i don't think uh, i don't think i have the capabilities i don't think i'm smart enough to to become an expert in everything and have all these survival skills 
So I just kind of dropped it at that point and like didn't really consider um, space or yeah, space as an option because that's kind of the only thing I saw with the space industry. I just thought, okay, you become an astronaut, you do science, that's basically it. So I just kind of put it on the back burner and forgot about it for a long time. But then I did my master's in Munich um, and there I happened to meet um, a good friend of mine, or now a good friend of mine, Tim Searle, who now works at the New Zealand Space Agency. But he was also living in, in Munich at the time and he was working as a consultant in the space industry, so a consultant for European institutions. And I met him and started talking to him and he actually introduced me to the place where he was working and actually you know, basically got me a, a job, a role at his company. Um, so I started working there part-time, first as a working student. Um, and then, you know, after I graduated, went there full-time, then got promoted and generally just got involved in the industry as a whole. Now, um, while I was there, that's when I started learning a bit more about really the applications of space, especially the downstream applications. And I really saw a bit of the potential that space technologies could have for socioeconomic development, uh, for development in general, and just for being able to advance technologies and advance uh, societies forward. And so that's where I started really getting a bit more excited because for me in general, my interests lie in basically the use of technologies as a whole for development, for advancement, you know. Um, and so space technologies is really an interesting, uh, interesting domain, especially because it's so wide reaching, you know. So around that time when I was working, I ended up going to a um, African, an SJC African Space Generation Workshop in Mauritius. I think that was 2018, I believe. And that's what, that was my first contact, let's say, with the African space industry as a whole. So getting to meet a lot of people on the continent who were there actively working um, or interested in space and trying to see a bit more about what was going down on the continent. And then through there, you know, I met a lot of different people and I just, I had this feeling that... Um, I was in a good position or I had an opportunity to take the knowledge I had already learned, um, both through my experiences in university and also um, working at this consultancy, to actually try and apply some of the knowledge I had within the African context um, and to try and, in general, just try and see what I could do for my my privileged position to try and help advance the industry as a whole. Um, so that led me to developing Space Hubs Africa, which is currently uh, my main my main focus which essentially is trying to provide infrastructure, provide or enable in general um, Africans to get involved within the space industry. Um, so whether that's um, on an educational level, so just learning about space technologies, learning about the impact of space, or whether it is um, building their own network, so getting connected with other people who are working on in the industry, and then eventually also basically trying to support them with building um, their own initiatives, building their own startups, building their own projects, anything essentially that that could get people involved in the industry, we are trying to be in there and be and try and support um, new entrants, old entrants to really stimulate the development of the industry as a whole um, and connect all the different initiatives that are going on already on the continent and make it a bit more uh, public or publicize it uh, to the wider world, both both inside within Africa and also outside of Africa. Yeah, awesome. You know, thanks for that introduction. And my you know knowledge about Africa is quite uh, limited in terms of space as well. And this is also educative for my own sake in that sense to know learn a lot more. I know that uh, you know Egypt and Nigeria and um, uh, South Africa and a few African countries are very active in the space sector. We've also had uh, some of their engineers, you know, use, for example, SatSearch as well in that sense. Um, 
from how you count it, I guess there are about 54 or 55 countries in Africa at this point of time. And correct. And then, you know, how, how do you see this um, ecosystem within Africa? I mean, how many countries are generally involved in space? You know, who are the most prominent one of them and so on? Yeah. So, I mean, your experience is something that I think is quite common, uh, especially with people who live outside of Africa. Looking from outside of Africa, Africa is basically a black box. You know, there's a lot of different countries, a lot of different languages, a lot of things that are going on, but very little of it actually permeates into the ecosystem outside. You know, so in general, when I was working as a consultant here, I, I talked to a lot of different people and it was always the same question. You know, people heard that things were going on in Africa. They heard of a few countries who were doing something, but they didn't really know what was going on. That's also kind of the motivator behind Space of Africa was to try to open this black box a little bit and try and help people understand what is going on the continent and help connect people for both on business uh, front, but also just on the networking and, and social front as well. Now, yes, as you mentioned, there are a lot of countries in Africa. Not all of them are involved in space right now. I mean, the, the biggest ones are quite well known. So that's South Africa, Nigeria, Egypt. Um, Algeria also actually has uh, quite a lot of activity as well. Those are sort of the main, the main ones that have been there for quite a while, who've been quite, um, quite capable for the past decades already, either launching their own satellites or having the space infrastructure on the ground or also having just the industrial capability to, to be a participant in space activities. What we're seeing right now, so in the past few years, is that there are more and more entrants into space. So you have smaller countries like the likes of Ghana, the likes of Ethiopia, Uganda, Namibia, Rwanda, Sudan, Angola, Mauritius, Tunisia, really a lot of different countries that are now trying to really enter the, the industry themselves. And typically they're doing that by launching their first satellites, so usually CubeSats either as uh, technology demonstrators or for uh, very targeted applications, usually earth observation, remote sensing. So that's what you're seeing right now is a lot of people are trying to get into the industry right now and actually trying to define for themselves what that actually means and how they can leverage uh, satellites or other space technologies for their own or in their own context. Like I mentioned, South Africa has been around for, for quite a long time. They're probably the strongest. They have the, probably the strongest industry on, on the continent. So they have really a lot of satellites already launched. They have a lot of ground infrastructure for tracking satellites or for receiving stations. They have a lot of radio astronomy centers as well. And they have a lot of plans in general to build more and more infrastructure, both for deep space um, observations, for weather, for general new space. They're trying to build a new space hub within Cape Town. Nigeria themselves have also been quite involved for quite some time. So they, they've launched a few satellites in the past as well, both for Earth observation and communication. Um, and they have, I think, the second, either the second or third largest uh, agency. And then you have Egypt, who historically have always been sort of involved in space due to astronomy. So, like, I mean, everybody knows Egypt and their astronomy background. They've been pioneers for centuries. They have also been involved for quite some time. They've launched a few satellites um, and they're now trying to really develop more of a national space law and space program. So, I mean, what you have is typically a lot of the countries have been involved in some aspects. So you have what happens is a lot of African countries, when they have been involved in space or if they have been in the past, it's usually through astronomy or through some sort of scientific application. But what you're seeing now is more of, of a, a push to try and develop a commercial space industry, um, which is why you see a lot of these smaller countries, like I mentioned, who are now launching satellites, who are now trying to build the uh, capabilities because everybody understands now that really space is the present and the future. 
and space derived data is really underpins a lot of a lot of the the modern world right right and i guess you know the whole cubesat and small satellite uh, world has really given a lot of these countries a lot of impetus because the cost of getting to space is uh, going down as such i also hear a lot of the ideas around you know many of these um, webinars that i attend or clubhouse rooms or so on where people are constantly talking about an african space agency like the european space agency right and on one level you can do that comparison i guess because europe has like whatever 28 countries and uh, they are trying to see if the some of these countries can come together to form a, a kind of a, a multi stakeholder multi governmental space agency that can uh, do a lot of things that individual states may not be able to do but then you know that model also has a lot of drawbacks uh, given that you know the both how much of a drawback that both Uh, the model of the european space agency has with you know geographical distribution of money and you know a lot of the capabilities uh, the return of the money from the investment country so and so on so there are both positives and negatives in this kind of a model uh, why is it that people believe that there should be like an african space agency would it not be interesting for you know industry to directly do a lot of things which are mature already because a space agency in my head is something that is to build up capabilities that the industry cannot invest in you know maybe 15 years or 20 years of maturity in terms of technology or so on that may be a case for a space agency but if you want to you know develop space applications that can serve society and you know there's it can be both entrepreneurial or social applications as such people can do it by themselves and they don't really need a, a dedicated multi stakeholder government agency as i said because everything slows down in that sense with these setup so what is it from your perspective on all of these things i i fully agree with with, with uh, what you're saying um i don't necessarily see the the exact point of the african space agency um and if it's supposed to work on the lines of isa then i think it it probably won't work very well I mean okay if we look at the formation of the European Space Agency how it came about and, and sort of what its goals are it was developed primarily sort of as a um to counter both the US and the USSR at that time so Russia's space programs and the space initiatives right the um, European scientists basically realized that national projects would not allow them to compete with the other the superpowers at the time and so they formed the european space agency to sort of coordinate the financial intellectual resources and to take as you mentioned programs and activities you know far beyond the scope of any one single country and i mean that has already grown into several different divisions with stech so the space research and technology branch esoc esrin and all the different um, other branches within the european space agency and you know that has a lot of benefits for europe in being able to pool all their funds and their resources together but the difference i think between what in europe and in africa is that in europe they also have the industrial base you know they already had the national countries themselves already generally had a certain level of capability that i don't think exists within africa at the at the moment so for there it made a lot of sense because the national capabilities were already quite strong but it was about combining the strengths and leveraging the strengths of the different countries together to have one one form of unified front both for you know bilateral exchanges between you know Europe and the US or Europe and Russia or Europe and any other country but also to yeah to basically multiply the effects of each local part each local uh, country 
Now, if you look at the European space industry and just in general, how Europe has structured their space uh, industry, it is very complex. You know, it's not only the European Space Agency that's there. You know, you have the European GNSS Agency, you have the European Commission, and you have all these little partners and little groups, which are also, you know, in charge of a lot of the bilateral cooperation internationally, and also in charge of different aspects of the space industry. So the, the industry in general in, in Europe is, is actually very quite complex. And I mean, they're doing, they're trying now to try and smoothen things out and have more of a unified front with the European space policy um, and things like that. But as I mentioned, that doesn't, I don't think that model works so well for the African Space Agency. So, okay, I mean, looking at the African Space Agency, what is it trying to achieve? So the African Space Agency, I think technically is still supposed to be a part of the African Union. And their mandate is to promote, advise, and coordinate in general the development of space science and technology in Africa, as well as trying to promote intra-Africa cooperation and generally uh, further the goals of the African Space Policy and Strategy, which was uh, released a few years back. And I mean, the, the space policy and strategy essentially is just saying, use space technologies for socioeconomic development of Africa and actually train Africans to be able to use these technologies effectively. Now, do we need a centralized body to, to coordinate all of this? I personally don't think so. And I mean, based on how it's been developing recently and how slow it's been developing, I think um, there, has been a, there has been a lot of resistance internally between countries as well. I mean, Egypt was recently chosen to be to be the headquarters. I think it was chosen last year to be the headquarters of the agency. But since then, there hasn't been so much progress. And it seems that, I mean, they're targeting 2023, I think, to really be up and running. But from what I've been seeing, there's been a lot of slowdowns and a lot of resistance. And generally, it, hasn't pro- it isn't progressing as quickly as you would think. And I mean, I think that makes sense because I'm not quite sure what their role would be. Because if you look at Africa, there's several issues or several things that are different compared to Europe. One, there's a lack of industrial base, there's a lack of funding, and there's a lack of experience in general with space um, as a whole. So, you know, for the countries that are already quite active in the space and research, like for the South Africa's, the Nigeria's and Egypt's, you know, what is their motivation to now direct some of their own funds into a centralized coordinated body where they probably would not get the same kind of returns as you would get in Europe. I mean, in Europe, they have this uh, this system where whatever funds you put in event should come back to you in the in in terms of contracts or in terms of opportunities later on. But I don't think that really works within Africa because they don't that coordination doesn't really exist. The other partners that will be involved in the African space industry just aren't at the level where you could argue that those uh, those benefits would exist. You know. I would I would argue that a lot of these countries could actually just do independent or bilateral cooperation without the need of a centralized body. And that is something that has already been going on on the continent itself. There are a lot of regional initiatives that are taking place. There's a lot of bilateral cooperation between individual countries. So if it's just to foster an inter-Africa cooperation, that is already that's already going on right now, you know? And a lot of African countries don't have the resources really to to put into space as a whole let alone, I mean, well, into science and technology as a whole, let alone space. And space is a very niche domain that also doesn't have the same kind of traction that science and technology has as a whole, which means that trying to motivate funding from countries into an African space industry will probably be quite difficult. I mean, one thing that could be interesting for the African space industry is if it sort of became 
sort of the single point of contact for foreign nations foreign nations to actually get involved with Africa or try and start things with Africa. So, I mean, for example, like we were mentioning, if you're an Indian company or an Indian organization, you want to get involved in Africa, where do you start? Who do you talk to? Having a centralized body like the African space industry could simplify that because you just go to the African space industry, you talk to them, and then they coordinated in intra-Africa before coming back to you. But if that's the only only role of the African Space Agency, I think that's something that's not really so effective. It's It seems that you're putting a lot of administrative burden and a lot of these complexities without any real tangible benefit out of it. So yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of different, different challenges that have to be faced. I mean, it's still unclear right now what the African Space Agency is going to do. You know, how much power is it going to have? How much money is it going to be able to get from each individual country that's part of it? How are they going to coordinate efforts? Are they going to try and uh, increase the industrial base all over Africa? You know, what are they going to do? There are a lot of questions. There are definitely a lot of questions. And I agree that if the idea is to sort of become a European space agency or copy the model of the European space agency, I don't think that's really going to work in Africa. Right. Interesting that you mentioned this in this front. So one of the things that I was thinking about it in from my perspective is if budgets of individual African countries, if there is an African space agency, would stabilize. Uh, because I see that uh, swing in you know political interest in space changing the budgetary allocations for every African country that is out there. Because I think at some point of time, like Nigeria had like, 400 or 500 million dollars in uh, you know space agency investments and then due to some political change it dropped to like 100 million or less than 100 million or so on so you see probably these huge swings uh, according to who is uh, you know elected in the in the country to lead lead the then the decision and then so would that be one of the positives that if there is a like an african union and african space agency that you know, certain amount of budgetary allocations then become mandated at that uh, centralized level. And then uh, even though the political administrations may change, then African, African countries and, uh, you know, people are investing a certain amount of money that is dedicated to this. Uh, and then that will help create a, a kind of a foundation to then build capabilities up. That would be the hope, right? <laughs> that, that would be the hope that this uh, the African Space Agency could do something like that and could set in stone some of the funding um, that has been allocated already. I mean, if we look at like overall within Africa, I think around 500 million uh, US dollars were invested in space in 2020. So which was double, so that's across the whole continent, which was double what it was in 2019. So I do think there is there has been a trend recently of trying to increase space budgets. You know, whether it's a fad or not, more and more countries are trying to get involved in space, are trying to allocate resources to that. And so the African Space Agency could capitalize on this fad or this momentum by securing, you know, commitments at least from several countries early on. Now, if they can do that, that would be, I think, somewhat positive because at least you're basically guaranteeing or getting sort of a guarantee that some countries are going to continue to invest in their space industries or in their space capabilities um, over a longer period of time. But it's like, what is the role of the African space industry uh, agency? You know, if it's just 
we there, there still hasn't even been a clear sort of implementation plan or idea of what they would do with the money. And the question is, is this funding going to be really long-term and stable? You know, so are, are, are they going to be able to secure a commitment for X amount of dollars for a 10-year time span? Or is it going to be X amount of dollars for only like a three-year time span or two-year time span? And if it's a shorter time span, then you're really not solving the issue that you just mentioned before about, okay, you know, budgets fluctuate because budgets will still fluctuate. And so there are a lot of questions, you know, and I think also thinking into the context of the space industry as a whole, as it is right now, you know, there's this whole push towards new space, which is really something that is already questioning or putting pressure on the standard centralized model that we have, we've had in place for a long time, where you have one centralized body, a space agency that drives the standards and drives the whole development process and development speed. But that's something that's almost like a legacy idea. So is it right or is it the, 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 a smart idea to try and copy these old legacy models? Or should we be trying to innovate and trying to find new ways of focusing on more on the downstream, focusing on more in enabling these actors on the downstream and trying to have a bit more of a decentralized push where instead of trying to coordinate everything on one centralized body, which already has these administrative burdens, which has all these complexities, is that the right move to make? For a country that's coming up, for example, for a country that hasn't had much activity within the space industry, let's say like a Togo, does it make sense for you to invest your money to a centralized body where you won't, you're not even sure about the return that's going to come back to you? Or does it make more sense for you to put that money into developing your industrial base, you know, trying to improve industrial innovation on the low level, trying to improve the capabilities on the local level to actually develop it from the, from the base up rather than trying to do a top-down um, sort of centralized model? That's why there's a lot of questions behind the whole the whole initiative as a whole, you know. No, I don't think a, a continental agency is really going to be able to push industrial development, especially if there is no national policy or national, yeah, national policy that's been set on the local level. So there's there's a bit of a there's a bit of a disconnect, I think, between what the African Space Agency wants to do on the on the top level versus what the actual situation is on the ground, you know. And I think the lack of industrial base is something that is the most, the more serious issue and the lack of national policies and lack of national strategies. That's something that needs to be more set in stone before we start thinking about, okay, now we have this other body on top that can then coordinate development or initiatives as a whole, you know? And if, if there's also expertise missing on the national level, then who is going to be part of the African space agency? You know, where is the expertise coming? Who are the officials who are going to be embedded within the agency that have the knowledge and have the experience to actually coordinate something like that. I mean, the space industry is very complex. I mean, procuring space parts, um, building space infrastructure, developing space missions, all of those are very complex, complex tasks and not something that can just be easily done by anybody. You know, you want to have somebody who has their relevant expertise and has the relevant knowledge to actually drive that forward. But if you have a small industry like the African space industry as a whole is, where are those? Where's that expertise going to come from? And are countries such as South Africa and Nigeria willing to give up their talent to a centralized, larger centralized body, or would they rather want to keep that in-house to continue to develop their local industry? Overall, I mean, if the African space agency was to say, okay, rather than us coordinating development or coordinating space missions or space activities, we would just take the role as sort of the points of contact for people outside of Africa to get involved with Africa, as well as sort of a promotion 
promotion standpoint to try and spread the word as, or try and um, raise awareness of the benefits of space technologies or across the continent, I think that's something that could have a lot of value. But if it's we actually want to coordinate the development and coordinate the strategies of local countries, I don't think that's something that makes sense ultimately. Right. I think that's a very realistic picture that you are painting in that sense because uh, <laughs> I think most people or most uh, you know talks that I attend or even a lot of the articles that I you know read, for example, they go on this overdrive of positivity all the time and not being you know grounded in reality and giving a real picture of everything that there is i mean of course we always have to hope that you know the future is kind of more positive and so on but and i think you should also be a little bit grounded in reality as to what is existing today as well yeah i mean there's a lot of that's the thing there's currently especially there's a lot of hype around space you know you have a lot of countries that are launching satellites almost just to launch a satellite you know they don't they don't necessarily have a wider framework within which they're operating they don't have a really a goal like what is this if we launch the satellite what is that going to lead to you know what is the next step after launching the satellite it's just like no let's just get a satellite up there we can wave the flag yeah we've launched this cubesat we're doing this we're part of space and that's i mean the excitement is good and i think it's very positive to have the excitement because you need to really raise awareness and raise the positivity and that can lead to more but just positivity by itself or just hype by itself doesn't go anywhere. And I think for me, especially being involved in the European space industry for so long, I've seen some of the pitfalls within the European system, um, which already had an advantage leg up over Africa because of its stronger industrial base, because of its strong its stronger history within the space industry as a whole. And yet they still have coordination problems. They still have people, uh, member states questioning, you know, why are we sending our money to the European space industry when we could fund our own national space programs and have our own um, initiatives? And so for me, there's just too many questions that haven't been answered yet with the African Space I uh, Agency for it to now, for it to really make sense. And I think also thinking longer term into how is the industry developing and how is the industry moving? We are moving in general, and I think across multiple industries, we're moving away from large centralized bodies that coordinate everything. And so if if we're banking on the African Space Agency to suddenly be, you know, this large entity that will then solve a lot of the problems and coordinate this huge pan-African vision, I just don't think that that is really realistic. And I don't think that's something that's going to be beneficial in the long term for Africa. I think rather than that, we need to focus on the local level, really, and try and push local development and try and encourage nations to invest on the local level. Um, in, in a sense, the African Space Agency is almost um, one taking a bit of the responsibility away from the local players because they some local players may just be like, okay, if we put in X amount of money into the African Space Agency, they're going to take care of our problems. We don't have to worry about it. And like they will coordinate everything and that's fine. But I don't think that's fine. You know, I think really the focus should be on what can we do to increase our industrial base? What can we do to, to build capacities on a local level? What can we do to have a, a national policy that we can build expertise over a longer a longer period of time to then be able to cooperate on a more of an equal standing with our African neighbors. You know, how does it benefit South Africa to be a part of the African Space Agency when they are clearly above, you know, the majority of African countries? You know, why should they give up their funding or why should they fund this African institution that would then have probably not as much return to themselves? And the same for any other country that gets involved. You know, what is the benefit of dedicating funding to this centralized body when there is no clear path pathway of getting any kind of benefit from it, you know? 
and that's that's the real key that I think is different between Africa and, and Europe, where you know the Europe is a, the European Space Agency. They have the just retour policy where we we contribute a specific amount of money and we can expect a specific amount of industrial contracts that are roughly equivalent to the contributions we have. But that is not something that can be guaranteed within Africa, ultimately, especially when the national levels and the national policies, there's a vacuum of talent, there's a vacuum of expertise, there's a vacuum of industrial capabilities. You know, that's not something that we can mimic. And so and if that's the case, does it make sense to slow down progress, to centralize and add an administrative and overhead burden for something that may not really have any clear benefits, a clear tangible benefits? So that's that's the questions I have. I mean, I think from the from a PR perspective, it's it's nice to have the African Space Agency. You know, people are people are getting people are like, oh, okay, cool. Africa's actually involved in space. They have all these initiatives. They're trying to get trying to move forward. I think from that perspective, it's actually it's, it is quite strong. But from the actual implementation and coordination on the African level or the intra-African level, there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered. Right. I'm actually a big fan of uh, kind of. Um localization of problem solving because um, you know mm-hmm. you see that in india as well where you know whatever we have a bunch of states who have very different cultural expectations you know language is different problems are slightly different and this could be 10 times more in africa given the landscape the culture the language difference you know the communities that are out there yeah. so one size fits all narrative you know doesn't really work uh, very well in all of these places right so and also you know yeah. when you talked about the infrastructure build up and cubesats and you know many of these other upstream level activities i always think that uh, for any con- countries you know that are still in the developing phase uh, even including countries like india for example right coming from a bottom up perspective is much more sustainable and much more scalable and then you actually develop the market for solutions and you know you develop customer and or you solve problems in the society to build up the case to invest in the upstream of things right so you look at uh, you know what problems are in different african countries and you look at there's already a lot of existing infrastructure you know there is all of these sentinel satellites there is a lot of free data that is out there a lot of resources that are coming up live from other people having invested in it and then you can always pick up problems at the local levels in many different areas and say we're trying to solve this and then as you build up momentum for it you will see a case where you have there is an advantage for you yourself to own and operate a certain asset at that point of time that dedicates yeah. to you and then you know you then have a case for it right so and you also see this with uh, you know in terms of space hub i was in south africa i think like 4 years ago and i was very impressed with the industry although they have maybe about maybe 15 or 20 companies that are a core part of their space industry uh, it came out of this university mission that was conducted 20 years ago that formed all of this uh, manpower that uh, comes up and so they now export i was very impressed that the south african industry is much stronger than the space agency itself and uh, they have 90% plus 95% plus of the things that they do are all export to Europe or to US or other countries as such i think it's a very unique model than any other part of the world you don't see any other part of the world where the industry is stronger than the space agency and you know they're exporting like 95% of the stuff outside to other countries out there so 
what do you think about this overall setup where localization you know from a bottom up perspective can build up industry can solve problems and is there impetus there for you know momentum to pick up definitely i mean just to quickly address the last comment you made i i think new zealand is probably the only other place where they also have this very strong export model um cuz that's i mean that's also how they grew they grew with their launch capabilities with rocket lab and then they were trying to export a lot of their services and then the space agency was sort of built around that but i agree i mean I, for, the question ultimately becomes you know what are you why are you in space what are you using space technologies for if you're truly using space technologies for socio and um economic it's just socioeconomic development as a whole socioeconomic and sustainable development then your focus should be on maximizing the resources you have and being efficient with how you use it you know and that requires a localized approach that requires an assessment of your current capabilities your current status and thinking what can we do to really um push this industry as uh, forward as far um as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible you know if we look sort of of how industries have developed across globally across the world right the US and USSR were built basically from military uh, military uses you know that's how they started they started off with military conflict developing rockets and then from there they developed all the other resources needed for the industry similar to some european countries like the german aerospace center i think even the french uh, kness they started off with missile launcher technology and then the agency was built to coordinate that technology and then from there they ended up developing more and more use cases out of it that's actually also something that's similar to south africa and why south africa has such a strong industrial base is one they also were building a lot of um rockets i think around the um apartheid uh, era or maybe slightly before that and that also sort of motivated a lot of the industrial development i mean south africa is quite interesting because they've been also they've been involved on, on certain level, um a lot of different areas so for one um they've already had observatories for quite some time so a lot of um space science and tracking in general have been done in south africa for a while then they they launched a few satellites i think or they tracked a few satellites uh in the 50s and 70s to do some uh, space science within the uh, in the atmosphere and then they started launching missiles as well trying to build missiles during the apartheid era now because of all those all those different um applications they were able to develop a sort of industrial base that was relatively strong by itself and rather than it being coordinated what you had was that you had universities you had uh, research centers you had all these different institutions which now had these capabilities on the local level by themselves which they then sort of brought together to build the industry on a wider level you know so you had competencies within satellite applications within engineering within space science you had the ground stations from all these different um areas that were then sort of united together to actually have a more of a coordinated space program and a more of a coordinated efforts now when we when we think about how other countries could do it i mean right now space is very global you know that's why that's why south africa is also having this benefit of exporting a lot of its uh, services if there is no market internally for the things that you're working on there's definitely going to be a market globally you know and if there is a lack of capability within the country you can get that capability outside of the country as well it just leads back to the question of what are you in space for and what is the goal that you're trying to achieve and i think that's the, i think that's something that a lot of african countries don't have an answer to right now they don't have necessarily a clear idea of what they want to do 
with space technologies. They just know that this is the future and this is something that we should be involved in, but they may not have a clear strategy of how to build up the industry themselves, where, when and where to use uh, foreign sources and how to use it. I mean, like the uh, Copernicus, um, European EU's Copernicus um, observation satellites, they are they have a cooperation agreement with the African Union and some African countries to share the data. So actually, a lot of African countries have access to Copernicus satellite data, which they could be using for at least some applications or even as a training. But that's something that's currently not being used that much by local institutions. I mean, you have some local organizations or some local corporations, such as like the GMES in Africa, so the Global Monitoring for Environment and Security in Africa, which actually work a lot with the Europeans and work a lot with the European data to try and use satellite data for um, resource management, so water resource management, natural resource management, um, for disaster response and things like that. But there's a lack of internal coordination. And now what you see with a lot of the African countries that are now coming more and more into the industry, they came up based on astronomy or remote sensing. So as opposed to like the global model or the European model or the American model, where it was uh, even South Africa, where it was like sort of military applications that then had an agency built around it. You have um, a lot of African countries where they have astronomy. So they have, they may have like one earth station over here or maybe a ground station here um, just purely for space science. And they're now trying to figure out how can we build an organization now to move this forward? And so it is it is a bit more difficult because, you know, you don't have necessarily the same level of capabilities, engineering and ground infrastructure as you did in the South Africa before they really got um, built up to where they are right now or where you had it in, in America, Russia or wherever. Um, so it is a bit more difficult in that sense. And you don't have the same kind of history of development and the same kind of attachment to space as you do in other countries. And that is the problem because there is no awareness of space on the same level. I mean, everybody in the US knows about space because they went to the moon, you know, and that was publicized everywhere, you know. Um, and that's that's that kind of history and that kind of connection has been missing um, within Africa. I mean, you have the astronomy angle and you have some of the space science angle. But that's not something that has really blossomed or really been coordinated and really pushed forward. So that, that is really the question. The question for African countries right now is to answer is, what are you trying to do with space? What is your goal? What, what, are, you, what are you trying to do? And how, do you try, how are you trying to do it? And that's, that's something that's missing. And that's something that has to be built up. And right now it's too scattered. It's not been centralized well enough. I mean, you do have a push right now with a lot of African countries developing their own space agencies or trying to coordinate it within one entity locally, but a lot of African countries don't don't have a space policy as of yet. You know, they may have launched a satellite, but they don't have a space policy. And sometimes people who launch the satellite aren't even, they might be private organizations, you know. Look, looking at Ghana, they launched a, they launched a satellite, Ghana Sat 1, I think in 2017, I want to say 2018, but that wasn't launched by the national government. That was launched by a private university college, the All Nations University College, you know. So that's something that, you, we have a we have we have a space agency, so the Ghana Space Science and Technology Center, which tries to coordinate some things and has uh, ground stations here and there. But the most high profile initiative that Ghana had was done by a private entity. That's the issue right now is that there's so many different stakeholders with converging goals or diverging goals, and there is no real central on a local level. I mean, there is no central direction or strategy or policy that ties it all together, and 
I mean, South Africa is interesting because they didn't really have that either, but their industrial history had roots in a university as well. So the Stellenbosch University and the Sunset Academic Program, that was something that was very big because you had your engineering graduates who helped develop the satellites. That already brought a lot of cooperation as well with NASA and with other uh, institutions outside of South Africa that leveraged the facilities and the industrial capabilities that were built through the observatories, that were built through the missiles that they were building in the 80s. And that was combined with the cooperation that South Africa had with European countries and with American countries in terms of being able to monitor um, satellites that were launched by by NASA or by Europe. So there was a lot there was a lot more cooperation at an earlier age at an earlier stage with, between South Africa and non African countries, as well as initiatives on the local level that were, let's say, um, fruitful enough or progressive enough that it it then motivated the government to try and centralize it. And I think that's the stage that we are in with a lot of African countries, where you might have private initiatives that are pushing governments to actually try and build an agency or build a policy around it. And we're really at a really early stage in that sense. And so um, it's the question of how quickly are these countries going to be able to develop their policies? And are they going to be able to develop something that is actually effective for themselves? Or are they just caught up in the hype and just sort of doing things to do things? And that's a question that has we don't have an answer to right now because a lot of countries haven't released their policies or are still in the, in the formation of these things. Um, so there's a lot that remains to be seen, but there there needs to be an understanding that you need to have a coherent strategy, a coherent policy, but you don't have to build everything yourself. You know, with the space industry as it is, export opportunities exist globally. You know, if you develop something, so the idea for me and my idea is like, okay, focus on what your strengths are on a local level. You know, look at what it is that you are strong on as a, strong in as a country and develop your your policies and your strategies around that because the gaps that remain or the gaps can be filled can be filled by international cooperation can be filled by exporting opportunities can be filled by being part of the more of the global system you know there's no need for every country to now have satellite development capabilities if they don't need to i mean if do you need to be able to build and manufacture satellites does every country need to be able to build and manufacture satellites by themselves? I don't necessarily agree with that. You know, there's so many ways to use satellite data and space data. And even these days, most opportunities actually in the downstream. So if you're now trying to focus on the upstream and be like, okay, we need, we need to have our own satellite manufacturing capabilities. We need to launch our own satellites. You might miss the opportunities that are all in the downstream, which can actually be used for the goals of your country. So if you're thinking sustainable and socioeconomic development, raising the standard of living, addressing, you know, um, food uh, food security issues, addressing natural, natural disasters, addressing um, resource management as a whole. You don't even need to necessarily have the upstream capabilities for that. You can focus purely on the downstream and use the available data that's around there or launch satellites in cooperation with other people to actually, you know, address your situation in the most effective way possible. So that's the question right now is, do the, do... African countries have a plan? Do they have an idea of what they need? Or are they sort of blinded by a bit by the hype of needing to have their own initiatives for everything, which I don't think is necessary as a whole? Right. And one of the parts of uh, developing capabilities and others is uh, also human resources, because at the end of the day, you can pump in all the money that you can. But 
you then figure out that we can't do any of this, that we'll have to buy everything from Europe or US or wherever, then, you know, it's of no use so, so much, right? Because at the end of the day, you're then just buying a certain amount of capabilities and not building it uh, ground up, right? So one of the aspects that I see from, you know, having seen China and India and other countries uh, progress also from the developing world, build up space capabilities is this development of human resources. And in, in India's case, and even in China's case, it was of Western educated local people, local Indians and Chinese people possibly coming back to the country and building up the space program, right? So in India's case, you know, we had a lot of people sent from India to France, India to the US, and they were sent uh, in the early days of the space program to learn how to build satellites, learn how to build, you know, space capabilities, learn how to build applications and so on. And they were trained there for many, many years across different institutions in NASA or MIT or, you know, in CNES or other uh, DLR or so on, where they actually built up that capability or got some of that knowledge and came back and localized that knowledge and applied it to, you know, what was the local problems in India, for example, right? So I see that there's actually a lot of talented uh, people from different African countries living in Europe or in uh, in US or doing other things, working for also bigger companies, maybe in some cases as well. So is there a possibility that you see that a ground up build up of, you know, kind of um, bringing or providing an incentive for some of these very talented folks from uh, Africa to go back home and, helping them you know enter leadership positions because at the end of the day you there should be an incentive for them to also go back right because uh, of course you know the the quality of life or the amount of money that they may be earning and everything else may be many much more higher in 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 Europe or in U- in US or so on uh, so there should be an incentive for them to also go back home with their talent and to grow up so if they are you know kind of mature towards uh, having a kind of a leadership position that they can drive growth out of and use their skill and talent to build a a ground-up movement. That could be one way I was thinking that uh, these countries can then build a very strong space program because you're, you know, taking some other people who have uh, talent and then who have had some level of training and then you're trying to bring them back to build up the capabilities, right? So do you see any sort of such possibilities having to happen in some of these countries? I mean, definitely. The problem of brain drain is something that has been plaguing African countries for a long time. You know, there's a lack of opportunity for people who are educated or people who have certain skills. And because of that, they look elsewhere. And I think that's something that needs to be, definitely needs to be addressed if African countries are really serious about trying to push their space industry forward. You know, for my master's, what I, uh, my, I wrote, my, my master's thesis was focused on, um, the African space industry and how Ghana specifically could become competitive in it. And so I looked into a lot of different factors to try and understand what, how is the local environment set up to enable um, the development of the space industry. And I mean, that's, that's something that we've been coming back to over and over again, which is the idea of localism and localization of, and, uh, and building up the industry from the ground level. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but the capabilities are very spread out within the continent right now. So there are some areas where people are, are very capable and have the expertise. 
but then there are others where they they don't have it at all. Yeah. So I mean, you you have this dichotomy between one. There are people on the content itself who are educated and who have the capabilities, but who don't necessarily have an avenue to express that or an opportunity to use that capability within the content itself. And then you have people who are missing it completely or areas where that expertise doesn't exist at all. So you have two problems where one, you may have universities or institutions where people can learn about space and can actually develop the capabilities needed but then they're not able to express it within their own country. And then you have areas where that doesn't exist at all from the ground level. So you have, you have this duality of a problem. On one hand, the capacity building, there have been, there've been initiatives from more uh, intra-Africa or, or regional organizations that have been trying to address that. So the African Union especially has been trying to address the lack of capacities. Um, other organizations, like, the, like I mentioned, the GMES in Africa, so Global Monitoring for Environment Security in Africa, who do a lot of training. You have uh, regional organizations like the RCMRD who also try and build the capacities on the on a lower level and then try and provide opportunities. But there's definitely a lack of opportunity as a whole. And so I think for African countries, that's why, you know, I, I'm, I feel like I'm almost repeating myself. It's the sense that what are you doing this for? What is the, why are you getting involved in space? Are you interested in building up your space industry? What is the goal? Because if your goal is really to build up local capabilities, then you know, a lot of things have to change in the sense that from a legal point of view, you should make it easier for um, people to be able to create space-based uh, space based companies or space-based initiatives. You should um, dedicate more funding to the organizations that are already active on the continent to try and help them grow and try and help them attract more people from uh, outside. You should also publicize what is going on locally so that people outside of the continent know what's going on and can get involved themselves. I mean, a lot of the Africans I talk to that are not living in Africa, they do want to come back. A lot of them feel like they want to go back and try and help, but they don't even know where to begin. Mm-hmm. And that is a that is a big challenge, even for myself, when I think, okay, I want to go back to Ghana and actually try and help push the industry forward, but where do I start? If I go back to Ghana right now, is there space for me? Are they interested in, in hearing what I have to say? Is there a way that I can get involved? How can I get involved? Is there the capabilities? If the, if the capabilities or the resources aren't there on the ground for me to start a space company, then am I just wasting my time by going back? You know, these are all questions that I think people outside of Africa have when thinking about going back. And for, so to attract that talent back into Africa or back into the countries, these gov- the governments themselves have to structure things in a way that makes it attractive. And like you said, incentives matter. And and I think it's 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 a shame that you know, the talent and the, the knowledge just keeps leaving the country. But it's a, it's a problem that's been facing Africa for a long time is how do you motivate and incentivize them to come back? Obviously, money is a big incentive, but it's not as if these countries themselves necessarily have all the money to, to just give out like that. But if you don't have money, what you should do is create an environment where I or anybody else can use our talents to actually create something of value within the country. But that needs that needs a lot of different things. It needs I need to be able to have, you know, employ people with capabilities. If I'm creating a company, I need to have resources around me that I can employ who understand the situation, who um, have the capabilities themselves or the expertise. I need uh, a government that is facilitating the developments rather than holding it back. You know, I need government that understands space technologies, understands space resources, understands space infrastructure, understands the space economy as a whole and how it, it combines with each other. And in general, I need to have the I, I need to have a feeling that there is a future within this industry. 
you know, and that all those things are sort of missing right now because it's not it's not clear where things are going because there is no real policy set out. There is no real top from the government set out like a, a top down uh, policy or agenda or strategy that is clear and accessible to everybody. I mean, in South Africa and Nigeria or Egypt, where things are more established, yes, there might be more incentive to go back there because things are more clear. The industry is more is building up. There's a clear set of expertise and capabilities and motivation from the government to move it forward. But from a lot of these other countries, it's still very unclear, you know. And I think that's something that needs to be needs to be addressed if we really want people to come back and really want to build it up from the local level or from the ground level. It needs to be a unified push on all levels. It can't just be sporadic here and there. It needs to be something that's really coordinated and something that's really pushed by the government itself. Right. Again, you know, it is uh, interesting to debate that in that sense as well, because I was thinking about, you know, how nations are involved in cooperation as well, you know, looking at this more global cooperation and the perception of African countries of uh, how they look at other countries at the, for that matter, because, you know, Space is just one realm of doing activity and essentially countries also take into account other things, right? So they look at cooperation in other areas to look at perceptions of governments uh, in other countries as well. So I see like two or three trends, right? So I've seen you know, countries like Japan helping out a few African countries build up CubeSat missions and you know use the ISS to throw out their first satellites and get some you know capabilities going. They've also have had this uh, UN program where they've trained a lot of the African talent uh, through those programs in Japanese universities and have given them an opportunity to go back and build up, you know, the kind of their own space program locally, I guess, in that sense. I mean, some of those initiatives are very, very interesting coming up. But I've also seen, you know, countries like China, for example, handing out launches or, you know, giving out satellite capabilities or or giving satellites themselves as a part of possibly trade deals or so on. So how do you think, you know, with this interest coming up in Africa, do you think other countries, uh, because of, you know, the larger narrative in with respect to foreign relations or diplomacy or other, other such aspects, will kind of exploit African interest in space and will hand them out a bunch of capabilities or will try to, you know, use space as a part of their diplomacy and foreign relations and, and hand people out as a bunch of capabilities? Do you think that is something that is very real, that is going to happen soon or is already happening? It's definitely already happening. You know, um, I talked about Ghana launching their satellites in 2017. That was done with the help of uh, JAXA, you know, the Japanese agencies. Um, a lot of the a lot of the satellites that are actually being launched right now by uh, most of the the new African space entrants are done in cooperation either with you know Japanese organizations or with China or with other partners. You know, it's very it's not it's not like these yeah these countries are not launching them by themselves. It's not as if they just suddenly develop the capabilities to build, manufacture, and launch satellites. No, they have partners that are enabling them to to be able to take part um, in the in the space ecosystem as a whole. And I think it's necessary. I mean, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think every country needs to have every capability and every, in every aspect. You know, I, I think right now, if we look globally, there's this push right now to, for every country to have their own launch system, <laughs> you know, and it's like, everybody wants to have their own rocket. Everybody wants to have their own uh, launch pads and launch bases. 
I don't think it's necessary. I think a lot of these things are, we, space is a very global industry, you know, and I think it's important for us to, to take advantage of things that are already set rather than trying to mimic and create it in our own way. It always comes down to what is the goal? Is, our, is, our, is the goal of African countries to compete with everybody else or is the goal to use space for socioeconomic development and for sustainable development of your regions? I think partnering with other, com- other governments such as China or such as Japan is, is necessary as long as cooperation is done on a basis of equals, right? We, I don't think like it, the old model of the co-colonialist model of, you know, um, we help you and we take the majority of the benefits for ourselves is not something that we need to we need to continue engaging in. You know, there are enough there's enough competition between our partners, and there's enough opportunities to co- to cooperate with several different countries. That as Africans, I think we need to play those players against each other to get the best um, partnership or the best model for ourselves. But I think there's definitely a push. I mean, we see geopolitically China versus America versus Russia. They are all competing against each other on several different aspects, not only just in space, but in politically, you know, geopolitically. And that's an opportunity, I think, for Africa to get to maximize the deals for themselves or to get the the best deals for themselves. I mean, part of the reason why China is, is so successful in Africa is because they're undercutting the US and the the US model, the World Bank model, the European model where it was heavily favored towards the US and, and Europe. China, at least, I mean, obviously they're not coming in just to do charity. Like they're definitely getting um, benefits for themselves. And they're, but at the very least, they're providing more to Africa than previously or than US and Europe used to do for themselves. And that's, and that's ultimately it. Like, yes, we should cooperate with other people. And I think that's gonna, that is the trend that's going to continue. But the idea is that we need to cooperate as equals, as equal partners, and that we should do things for the benefit of Africa first and foremost. And I think the benefit for doing things for the benefit of Africa means doing things, you know, according to the African Union agenda, which is um, uh, the African Union agenda 2063. They outlined sort of the Africa we want, which is, you know, a prosperous Africa, high standard of living, transformed economies, modern agriculture, you know, better use of resources and resource management, peaceful, secure, all of these goals that we've set as a content for ourselves, those are things that can be enabled by space technologies. And it's imperative that we try and push that forward in a smart and efficient way. Um, And I think that relies that to do that, we need to rely on partners. We need to source new partners as well. And we need to operate on a basis of equality and equity rather than just giving it up to any any person just for the sake of doing it, you know? It's all about why are we doing this and how can we maximize the partnerships that we have for the goals that we want? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, you know, if there was a lot of time, uh, you know, further that we could expand this um, uh, podcast to a larger time frame of three or four hours, I would have loved to go into every single country and talked about every single one of them. But for the sake of, you know, the listeners and also for keeping it uh, time constrained, can you... Talk about, let's say you you talked about your focus being Ghana, for example, in your thesis that you wrote a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So, from a, let's say from a Ghana perspective, how do you think the status of the space sector is in Ghana today, and how do you think it could be transformed in the coming years? Most of the initiatives are done currently by private organizations. So the All Nation University College, as I, as I mentioned earlier, they're the ones who launched the satellites in cooperation with, I think, the Kyushu Institute of Technology. 
they're the ones that are they they built a ground station and they have a lot of plans to to keep pushing things forward. I mean, they're one of the main plans they're having is to try and build a a satellite constellation, I think, over West Africa in partnership with other countries such as Togo and other neighboring countries. You know, so they're really they're really trying to make Ghana or trying to push Ghana as the one of the more foremost uh, space countries, especially on the West Coast. And they're trying to sort of coordinate things uh, globally. The Ghana Space Science and Technology Institute, so GSSTI, which is basically Ghana Space Agency, they are also trying to coordinate things and they have ideas of what to do, but progress is very slow, you know, and that's that's ultimately that's ultimately the issue with a lot of the national agencies on the continent is the fact that it's very hard to get secure funding because space is very, very niche within Africa. You know, on the public level, people don't know, for the most part, people don't know anything about space. They don't know the benefits of space technologies. They don't know the benefits of satellites. In the institutions and in the government itself, there's still a lack of awareness and lack of understanding there. You know, it's only recently that people are starting to understand that, okay, there is potential within space. I can see what space technologies are used for. But just because there's awareness doesn't mean that there's going to be money uh, dedicated and allocated to that straight away, especially for space where, you know, you have long developmental cycles. It takes a long time before you actually get revenue from most of these space projects. It's not something that's easy to convince policymakers that it's useful or that it's beneficial. And it's not something that's easy to convince the public that it's beneficial or useful. So I think really uh, my, my whole thesis is that for really for this industry to really grow or for in general for most industries in Africa to grow, it needs to be done by private actors. It needs to be done by private actors on a local level. And it doesn't have to be very complicated and very um, difficult in terms of, oh, we need to have our, the upstream capabilities. We need to be able to manufacture satellites. We need to be able to launch satellites. I don't, I don't think we need to start there. I think what is more important is to start downstream. A lot of data is very accessible, either freely available open data or data you can pay for. But data already exists. And I think what's more important is about how can we use the data that already exists to have an impact on the local level? Because I think if we can do that, if we can clearly demonstrate how satellite data can be used to impact um, local communities or local areas, that link will be much more clear to the average person. You know, an average person doesn't understand why I need to send a satellite into space and spend all this money and launch it if it doesn't have any downstream impact on their lives. But if you can develop an application or develop a system where you can improve um, the ag agricultural productivity or you can improve the water resource management or you can improve things that are fundamental on a developmental level, that's where people start understanding, oh, now I understand what space is used for. And, you know, they may not even necessarily make the link between space and what they're doing. I mean, I don't think a lot of people necessarily always think about satellites, always think about space when they use GPS even or lo location-enabled services, but they're benefiting off satellite and space technologies. And so it's really about, in, in some sense, you don't even have to care about the space aspect, but you have to care about what space enables. Space technologies are a lever for socioeconomic development, for development as a whole. And I think that's what needs to be focused on. And that's also why, you know, tying it with the African Space Agency, why I don't think that centralized model makes sense. Because as a whole, centralized models, especially in Africa, face a lot, a lot of challenges, you know, from the funding aspect, accusations of corruption, from, you know, things taking a long time for different governments or different, uh, what do you call it, parties having conflicting ideas of what they should do. And so you have policies change from one party to the next party from who's elected. There's so many challenges when you try and involve 
you know, a centralized governmental body within Africa that in a sense, I would rather just bypass all of that and focus really on the private individual on the local level. What can we do concretely, tangibly right now as a private person that can be beneficial? And I think everything should be focused towards enabling private actors in Africa. If we look at like some of the projections, Africa is projected to have the fastest growing youth population globally, you know? And I think that's something that's that's a huge force of, of good and a huge, a huge uh, potential huge force of good for the continent if we manage and enable them correctly. If we provide the youth the resources and the capabilities to create something of their own for themselves, we are now suddenly have a huge productive population that can leverage and compound the beneficial effects of space technologies for the actual improvement and development of the country itself. Centralized bodies can only do so much, especially in Africa where funds are already limited and where there's so many structural issues and structural problems. They can only do so much and there's only so much we can expect from them. But what we can expect is what we can demand from them is an environment that enables private activity, private development and private private initiatives as a whole. We need to try and enable youth and private actors to use what's available for them to actually d- drive development, to drive innovation, to drive these things forward. And I think that's all, that's the only way that things will make sense and that's the only way things will work is by enabling the youth that we have and that we're expected to continue to grow and by providing them opportunities to apply these technologies and apply these ideas in new and interesting ways. Right, and that's where I see this India segue, you know, coming in in that sense because um, I'm also a believer in... Um, like bottom-up initiatives where there is a lot of people-to-people collaboration or directly at the grassroots level. Uh, you can do a lot, you know, top-down if there are very strong relationships and there is one way to do it. But I think the way to sustain it a lot is to do it bottom-up uh, as well. And, you know, this is where I see a lot of potential for, you know, some of the Indian entrepreneurs or even uh, Indian f- communities that are developing solutions to then work with African countries, right? Because uh, at the end of the day, uh, the cultural similarities and the setting and the economics and a lot of these things are very similar between India and Africa compared to Africa and Europe or Africa and the US, right? So that is something that you know we have like as a cultural connection. And beyond that, there is also a strong community of Indians in many African countries including South Africa and you know other parts of Africa as well and a strong presence of Indian companies you know companies like Airtel or Tata or whoever it is uh, who are already embedded very well in in some of these countries right and so when I look at some of the solutions that Indian entrepreneurs are creating at the grassroots levels in India you know be it uh, digitizing uh, agricultural land and you know providing uh, you know intelligence and and all sorts of uh, inputs for farmers directly, um, or be it you know helping fishing communities or being helping you know other such communities. Those models have uh, direct implications to work with many of the problems that you know communities in Africa would face, and that's where I see scalability because if some people in India are able to solve for an average Indian farmer or an average Indian fisherman or so on, that is very similar to what the adoption might be for an average you know african farmer or af- average african fisherman because the economics the uh, the level of education and everything may be very 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 similar and the level of, and the kind of the problems as well right so 
so this is the, you know from my perspective as to what there is and i guess this also comes from digitizing or you know the adoption of smartphones and things like that being very similar in india and africa where the amount of people actually going up in terms of adoption of smartphone and and so on right so this is where i see a lot of the potential so what do you see from your perspective do you see this model as something more sustainable or how can we encourage more such people to people collaboration people to people like uh, engagement so that even if one one such you know company or one such uh, solution is built up in a country like india or somewhere else in southeast asia as well it could be brought together and it could be localized for local language it could be localized for local adoption but then there could be an uh, there is a necessity that there should be an african person or local local person who understands that and can then take that and localize that solution i i think it's very important for african countries to look outside of africa to copy different models that exist you know there's no need for us to always reinvent the wheel and like i said there's no need for us to copy everything that's been out there it's it's much more effective for us to assimilate things that are solutions that already exist and ideas that already exist into a local context you know and that is that is sort of ultimately the things that i that i that i think is more important and that's also kind of the motivation behind space hubs africa right is is to try and open up the black box that is africa towards external partners and for people to understand that there is opportunities within collaboration and within you know enabling things on a local level but it, it it comes down ultimately to what is the goal you know so most of the the unfortunate thing is that most of this is driven by governments right now you know space development in africa is supposed to be focused on sustainable developments that's sort of if you read everywhere that's sort of the priorities they they set out for africa but there's you know absence of national policies there's governance issues legislation issues educational gaps financing gaps technology gaps resource gaps these are all things that while of course we want to build it up ourselves over a long period of time they already exist elsewhere and we need to try and leverage what already exists first and use that as the basis for then further development you know so i think it, yeah it is it is very important to look into places especially places like india where there is already a, a level of cooperation and india is already one of the the faster growing space industries you know getting i think india is a, is a great model to use because also not that long ago they weren't really an active play, space player they weren't really someone that was well known people didn't really talk about india and then all of a sudden you know their industry is one of the strongest you know probably fourth in line or fifth in line behind you know us uh china europe and maybe russia um and that's 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 a huge 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 um success i think for for india and something that we should learn from as well and i think if so if you look at places like new zealand who have also in a very short amount of time developed a very strong industry they all rely on the same things which is So if you look at your own country what is your comparative advantage what is the one thing that you are stronger in than anybody else focus on that to develop it further and then leverage the capabilities of other countries um and the expert opportunities within other countries to to fill in the gaps and so i think you know as long as long as the the corporation the people you're partnering up with have the mindset that we're not coming here to you know to to show africans how it's done but rather we're coming in as equal partners on an equity basis i think that is the model that that needs to be employed but i think that's something that needs to be needs to be done more and more and that's something that i think has to be done um on the local on the private level you know private actors need to take it upon themselves 
to look for these opportunities or to try and enter the market themselves and and push it forward because we I think we can't really rely or depend on um, African governments or African nations as a whole to to coordinate everything. You know, the main obstacle right now is there's a lack of there's the information asymmetry. I'm sure there are a lot of uh, Indian companies right now who would be interested in, in working with Africans, but they, they don't know where to start. They don't know who to talk to. They don't know how to get involved. And I think that's currently the main issue right now is this lack of transparency that limits the potential for international cooperation. So then you have international cooperation be done by standard actors, so like universities or government institutions, rather than you know local entrepreneurs or, or local people who may have the right capabilities. Yeah, I, I fully agree that cooperation between African countries and India, New Zealand, and other players is necessary. It's just about how can we really, what what framework can we use to try and enable this cooperation, right? Like that's that's the question I think most people have. Right, and I think uh, this OneWeb purchase uh, by you know Bharti Airtel, one of the Indian companies, is now a stakeholder in uh, OneWeb. And they also have a very large uh, footprint in Africa as a telecommunications uh, operator. I think they may be one of the largest uh, in Africa as well. So, which is interesting because I think uh, maybe OneWeb believes that uh, Africa is one of the markets that they want to tap in as uh, um, their uh, customers and in such. And maybe because Airtel also has a strong presence there that they see a use case for themselves in Africa too. And they one of the reasons that they may have bought the, the constellation is because of that alongside India being the you know, one of the, the strong presence they have as well, right? So this is where I see some possibilities as well because here you're talking about like a private actor, you know, in making an investment by themselves and, um, and then going into the market by themselves and solving a problem of connectivity. And they understand the price points and the mechanics of uh, those regions. So obviously, you know, uh, a kind of a SpaceX model of 50, uh, whatever, $500 modem and uh, uh, $100 subscription per month will not work in both India and Africa for sure. But then, you know, maybe OneWeb has some other model in mind where they know something that could work uh, in these regions and can offer it for them. That's what I'm hoping at least. Yeah. It's actually funny you mentioned the the SpaceX aspect because that's, that's something I was going to bring up myself, which is like so many people always just talk about, oh, we want to do stuff for Africa and they don't take into context the local the local context at all. <laughs> it's like SpaceX is advertising this low latency internet for, to connect rural communities, to connect everybody, and then they're charging price points, which no nobody in Africa is going to be able to, to afford, you know? And so there's this mismatch between what people what ideas people have and what they're actually doing on the ground. And that's that's the difficult part in general with trying to enter the African market is that it is so diverse and it is so different to, and it, it differs from region to region, from country to country, you know? So there is no one one shoe fits all, one size fits all. Um, so actually that, that actually brings an opportunity for Indian corporations, like you were mentioning uh, Airtel, um, because they are already in the market. They already understand a bit more of the local context. They already have a bit of the local connections to really devise or design a system that is actually effective for the African market. And that's that's really the, the idea, is that if you want to really cooperate with Africa, you have to come in with an understanding that you have to adapt to the local environment. You can't just come in and say, I have this product, it's going to work, it's going to sell. No, you have to adapt to the local environment. You have to understand the local environment. And you have to bring a solution that is mutually beneficial to all parties involved. And that's really the mindset that needs to be used and it used to um, 
to approach the market as a whole. So definitely, I think um, I think actually India has a very big advantage. I think that's why China also has a very big advantage in terms of corporations because India and China they understand they 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 share a lot more similarities with Africa as a whole, and so they understand the the approach that is needed. And so I think there's a lot of opportunities there for both uh, Indian Indian companies, Indian actors, um, as well as other uh, Asian actors as a whole. So one of the aspects that are um, very prominently talked about all around the world is this uh, emergence of new space and, you know, more than whatever, 5,000 companies around the world trying to do new space, or I'd, I've lost count now in that sense. Uh, I've seen only some of the South African companies companies that are getting VC investment, like I think Dragonfly Aerospace has gotten some uh, venture capital investment and a few others uh, up and coming. What is the scene like for new space in Africa? And are there any prominent hubs for new space in Africa? And are there local investment or people like, you know, Dragonfly getting investments from uh, Europe uh, is the model further? Yeah, so un- unfortunately, new space is not very well developed on the continent as a whole. So I mean, South Africa definitely is the hub. And within South Africa, I think the, the Western Capes um, is where they want to actually really build the new space hub in- within South Africa itself. So you have, you know, you have, I think around like 10 to 15, like new space companies um, within South Africa itself or within Africa as a whole. And but it's it's not it's not anywhere at a level where it should be, in my opinion. So a lot of the focus, as I've been mentioning, has been through centralized bodies doing more large large scale initiatives and large scale activities. Um, you have a lot of people just launching satellites just to as technology demonstrators or just to test the concept. And you have a lot of um, regional organizations such as uh, RCMRD and stuff that are trying to coordinate some of the uses of satellite technologies for things like natural resource development and food security and so on. But really new space is something that is not really, it's not really a thing, you know, it's not really, there's, there's not as much of an awareness of new space as a whole. Um, I mean, the closest you get is probably just the use of, or the launching of CubeSats, but that's not really the same thing or not the same idea. So that's something I think that has a lot of um, potential to grow is really trying to leverage this whole shift in the industry to maximize it for the local context, right? And I think that there needs to be a bit more of awareness and a push towards that, towards the downstream rather than the upstream and rather than the large legacy approaches towards space. Where do you see all of this heading in the next, let's say, five to 10 year timeframe, both from an African Union uh, or the African Space Agency context, as well as... uh, private initiatives uh, at the end, because I think these are sort of two different dimensions and directions that things can take, because, you know, of course, you know, there could be more and more investment and both are, of course, parallel tracks as such. So people may be interested at the government level to be a part of the African Space Agency and invest money there. But we might also see some countries and some entrepreneurs or some individuals who are very good at connecting the dots and you know having their own you know private initiatives or even social initiatives as such that are driving changes locally in some communities pop up and you know spread across those uh, different countries as well so well, how do you see this evolving in the next like 5 to 10 years time frame 
Overall, uh, I'd say I'm, I'm very positive and very excited about the potential within Africa. I, I don't know if I sounded like it during this uh, during this podcast. I think maybe I was highlighting a lot more of the the struggles and things that need to be to be addressed. But I I am very positive and I am very hopeful about the future. Um, we are at, we are at a very very early stage. I mean, I remember reading a report somewhere that that said like. The entire African space industry, there are only around 10,000 employees or 10,000 people actually active in the industry, which is tiny, you know, which is very, very small, especially for a continent as big as Africa. So really the only way is up. It's just a question of whether we do it efficiently, whether we do it effectively, and whether we can um, create partnerships that are beneficial for ourselves. You know, I think first and foremost, we need some national clarity we need clarity on the national levels for every country right we need to have some sort of national policy some sort of national strategy some sort of idea of where the country wants to go and how it wants to use space yeah within its basket of tools and with its policies so from a from a governmental standpoint that needs to be defined and i think that will be defined over the next five to ten years as well as you know budget allocations and things like that um from a corporation aspect, I think there's we're leaning towards more and more corporation. I mean, I think India and Africa, India recently signed a, a MOU for space corporation with Tunisia, and I think they're working with uh, Sansa, so this the South uh, South African agency, to track the the Chandrayaan moon mission, the Chandrayaan two moon mission. Um, so there is some corporation there. We see Japan is corporating, China is corporating, EU has a lot of corporation for a long time. I think that's going to continue as long as or at least I hope the direction it will change to is that exists on the level of Africa as a partner, partner in the business, rather as just a receiver of services. Because I think that's the mentality right now. It's like, oh, we have the service, we'll just send it to Africans. I think that model is something that isn't going to be very beneficial for Africa. I think it needs to be on a partnership basis, equal partners, equity, and transferal of benefits on both sides. Overall, you know, I believe that space technologies needs to be used for developmental needs in Africa. I think that's the main the main key usage of space within Africa. I don't think we need to get involved in this, you know, geopolitical games, geopolitical standoffs, you know, trying to counter each other. On, 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 I think we can just let let those things, let let America, Russia, and China, you know, and, US, and the EU keep doing that. And let's try and use this technology for development and for advancing it forward. From the private level, you know, governments need to do more to enable private entities and enable private business. You know, I think right now, for the most part, the local environment isn't conducive necessarily to that. But I think uh, looking outside of the space as a whole, there's been a push more and more for enabling entrepreneur entrepreneurialism on the continent. You know, there's more and more uh, funding opportunities. So there are more seed stage funding, uh, angel investors, seed stage funding, funding or uh, entities. There's more VC, uh, venture capital funding on the continent. There's more more and more entre entrepreneurs that are rising up on the continent themselves. And there are more and more areas where policies are being shaped to enable uh, private actors. And to me, I think that's, as long as African Africa or African countries can focus on enabling private entities and private actors, I think that will be what ends up really driving the industry forward. That, that has a cascade of, of different uh, benefits downstream, right? <clears throat> it reduces the pressure on national organizations, national institutions, and governments to really try and coordinate everything and try and get, do all the funding. It helps us break away um, from dependency on foreign direct investments. It helps us actually build the in industrial capabilities, industrial manufacturing base that will allow us then to really create and export produced goods and produced services rather than just, you know, 
like what we're doing normally in terms of raw materials or really depending on other people to try and help us move forward. My ideal ideal picture of what like the next five to ten years would be would be African countries creating a strong entrepreneurial environment to really stimulate new space. You know, let's try and forget about a lot of the old space, uh, high investment, high capital investment into large manufacturing entities or upstream capabilities. Let's focus really on new space. Let's develop a strong, coherent policy that enables the youth to really leverage all this innovation that's happening due to new space. You know, let's take advantage of the freely available resources that are out there. Let's look to other countries to copy the models that are effective and try and tailor them to the African context. You know, that that's that's sort of what I see as the best way forward for Africa. But I think regardless of what actually happens, I, I, I think the next five to 10 years will be overwhelmingly positive. We are at a very, very early stage across the continent. There has There's a lot of advocacy that needs to be done. So there's a lot of understanding of what space products are, space services are, that has to be, you know, communicated to the general public and to policymakers and to experts. I think that all has to be done. But I think that those are things that will be done. And those are things that can only be done over a longer period of time. So what I would like to see is just that the political and environment, uh, entrepreneurial environment just gets tailored to make sure we can maximize, maximize the opportunity we have in front of us. Because ultimately, you know, what are we doing it for? We're doing this to actually develop Africa as a whole, both uh, economically, socioeconomically. We're trying to leverage sustainable development and we're trying to move the country forward, right? We're trying to, that's, that's, that is the goal of what we're trying to do. And as long as we don't lose sight of that, and as long as we, we develop uh, strategies and policies that enable that, then I think the next five to 10 years will be only, only up, you know, just very successful and only positive for the country, for the continent as a whole. And thank you very much for taking so much uh, of your time in getting onto the show. I think um, I've learned a lot and I think the listeners would definitely learn a lot uh, from you. I've also linked uh, your LinkedIn account uh, to the listeners yeah. who <laughs> want to connect with you to explore further and so on. So good luck with uh, everything that you are doing with uh, Space Hubs Africa. I think uh, it's a very interesting initiative and um, I'm, I'd be definitely interested in learning more and more through that as well. And uh, again, thank you so much uh, for taking the time. Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me. I hope uh, I hope I wasn't rambling on too much <laughs> for some of those answers. I mean, that, that's the difficult thing about talking about, you know, a region as big as Africa is that it's so complex and there's so many different factors that are going on and there's so many, so many things going on and so many complexities that it's hard to generalize um, or hard to talk about it as a whole. But I mean, I hope your listeners were able to to get some value out of the things I talked about, or to bit understand a bit more of the the local context of things that are going on within Africa. There's a lot of opportunity. Um, there's a lot of potential within the continent, and I think there are a lot of people, and I think a lot of your listeners themselves are probably interested in Africa, just that they just don't know where to start. And so that's ultimately why I created Space Hubs Africa is on one hand to try and build up the local capabilities, but also to open up Africa a bit towards, you know, people outside of Africa who want to get involved, who want to understand what's going on. So I'm, I'm very grateful to you for having me on here. And uh, thank you once again for having me. And yeah, if anybody wants to get in touch, my LinkedIn, as you said, will be shared. You can check out Space Hubs Africa, uh, www.spacehubs.africa. That's our main website. We have a community platform community.spacehubs.africa and we're on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the social media, Space Hubs Africa.